<laughs> my cat. Oh, hi. Well, there's a nice little black cat. Yeah. All right, so we're starting and hello and welcome to Great Hang, the greatest hang that's ever hanged. I'm your hang, Tim McLaughlin, coming to you with your other hang, Micah Fox. Hello, hi. Micah. Tim, you what? rude piece of shit. What? We have the greatest guest this show has ever had on the show. Oh you couldn't God. even wait for him to sit down to start A the better intro. guest than Django Gold. They're all better than That's Django sure. Gold. Um, let, let, let me introduce him so we could get it. Yes. Um, okay, our guest today, it's a huge deal for me. This is one of the first comedians I ever repeated their jokes like on the schoolyard. Ooh. You might know him from Dumb and Dumber from the phone booth scene. Uh-huh. He's been on Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Dr. Katz, mm-hmm. fucking a million other things. Give it up for the one, the only Fred Stoller. What, what pressure now? Yeah, I, do a good job, Fred. I'm, I know, my God. You know, when, <laughs> when people die, you know, like Gilbert or Norm, you just watch, you go down the rabbit hole of YouTube and... It, it, you know, it's also amazing. And so now I, I'm going to compare myself to that. Well, they'll be watching this when you die. That's so yeah. be thoughtful. This will be one of the very first YouTube things anyone ever looks up. Exactly. <laughs> Was Fred Stoller actually a piece of shit? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you on. You're in I'm, LA. I'm, I'm interrupting you to say now when I do these, I practice not interrupting because I'm so annoying. So I'm interrupting you to let you know I'm going to try hard not to interrupt because I hate when I see myself doing it. I tried doing a podcast years ago and I was really annoying. So was it your own podcast, but you just kept interrupting everyone? <laughs> Yeah, basically, you know, Al Magical, am I saying his name right? He gets mad. Mm -hmm. Um, He had that network. And this is before the pandemic. It might have been easier with Zoom and everything. But I I, I thought, oh, a studio. But I I don't have a burning desire like Bill Burr or Adam Carolla to rant about Brianna or anything. I don't know what's going on. And they, they could talk about anything for an hour. And I thought, all right. And I had my book at maybe we'll have you back about you know being a character actor and I thought I would like um you know uh just do a different character actor every week first of all no one did it like Gilbert did but it I had to do all the heavy lifting you know they said here's a studio so hush it and bug people to be on it and to get them to a studio when I, I resented when people would ask me and it wasn't doing anything for anyone. So yeah, I'm, I wasn't good at interviewing. I interrupted too much. I'm, I'm good in small doses, but not every week. It didn't really have a theme. So yeah, I, I quit. You should just do a 10 minute show called Small Doses with Fred Stoller. That's not bad. That's not bad. But yeah. <laughs> Microdosing. <but> yeah. <laughs> you're good. That's why you're good at this. I, you know, that alone is so good. Microdosing. You're good. I, I I have to say. I mean, right off do the bat. Do you microdose? Do you microdose, Fred? I'll I'll I try. Well, this is um I won't name the person's name, but someone late in life I got into edibles and stuff because you know I did stand up in the '80s and you know you get stoned and it, you know I saw a throat paranoia, but it, it wasn't what it is now where it's really sophisticated. And um, I just I just thought Bing Stones is like Cheech and Chong and the fabulous 
hey dude did you put the tv on you know and then someone said it opens your mind and everyone you know it's more you know uh, you know dispensaries and 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 i got into it because in my 50s i didn't have guilt that i you know doing edibles because I think I tried everything. I tried the podcast and I could give up everything. No. So, yeah. So, so then I, <laughs> I, I, there's no guilt about, you know, but TMI ish. Well, it's not too, no, it's Norm McDonald used to hate when pe people, he'd call it confessional comedy. You know, he talked about molestation or anti-depression or, or being sick and he kept it in, but mixing edibles with antidepressants, I, I'm just sleeping all, you know, too much. It just stays in my system. But so this this person um, gave me these tabs. I was hanging out at his house. Go, this is microdosing. You know, I'm in an experimental. I've tried ketamine infusions legally, and and I, I went all right. And I thought he was giving me heroin microdosing, but it was LSD. So I he goes, Ooh. don't take it for three days in a row, and only do one. So, and I was, ooh, I liked it. It was a nice jolt. So I, 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 said, I said, I'm, I'm microdosing heroin. What are you doing, Fred? And I, go, and I go, yeah, I better throw it out. And it wasn't heroin. I said, I threw it out, you know, the heroin. He goes, it wasn't heroin. It was, you know, LSD. So I threw out all these batches I, I should have kept. Damn. I got well, that, that's a good testament to LSD if it felt as good as heroin. I don't know what heroin is. I don't think I, I would do it, especially. You now. did do it in your mind. You said yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's I true. It, I did it the way I was instructed. <laughs> it won't be a problem if you only do one and you don't do it for three days in a row. You just put the tab and, and let it dissolve on your. And the person tongue. that was telling you this was a doctor or a drug dealer? A, a guy who's kind of renowned, that's why I won't say. It was oh, Jesse Kellerman. Okay. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, I trusted him because I said, I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I made a big mistake a few years ago where I listened to a podcast, not yours, but. Um, Thank you. And uh, this, this is the mistake. No, I'm just kidding. But the mistake was some <laughs> guy wrote a book about anti again with the antidepressants that it's the same as placebos and uh psilocybin is just as good it's better so like a schmuck i i stopped and i was staggering the street i had you know sea legs and 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 it was uh, it was very bad to get off then and 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 you know this guy it was a stupid you know generic thing oh it's like placebos and no so but th that's what my, got me interested just hearing that different kind of psilocybin stuff is uh, better than antidepressants. No, I need, I need both or, or just. Yeah. Or, well, and the psilocybin stuff. only works as a long-term, that's a, like a, you take your micro dose and then it fixes you in a few years as supposed, that's how it's like supposed to work. It doesn't like do it automatically. Yeah. It's supposed well, I, to continuously make you feel better. I did change your brain chemistry. So I went, that's what I was told by my okay, renowned drug yes, dealer. Yes, you well. can't just do it here and there. And I went to this got ketamine infusions, uh, and it was amazing because I um, never really tripped or anything on edibles. But you're on a slab; it's only like forty five minutes. I, you know, and um, I, you're on a slab. Like like a, is that a slab? That's, that's like a morgue. Maybe yeah, I was like they term. they put you out you cold, know? zip you up. No, the, the they they put you like on a 
they change locations. Now you sit, I like it. You're like lying on a thing, like you're a, uh, you know, like you just had an operation. Uh, I guess, is that the right term? Gurney. Gurney. Yeah. Yeah. What's a slab? But you put a dead body on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Which but is funny. honestly what ketamine has been described to me as being like. So I was like ready to roll with it. Yeah. No, where were you doing this legally? Were you at the K-hole? No, no. There's a place. There's, there's, there's a, a legal place. I, I, I was visiting a friend in the hospital and, uh, and I don't know what it's funny. And his niece was there and she <laughs> fell with depression. <laughs> and uh, she said she gets these ketamine infusions. And that's when I listened to the podcast. Psilocybin sounds great. Where do you get it? What do you do? Except for that one friend who mistakenly I thought gave me heroin. And uh, so she said, no, it's like legal There's a place, the ketamine clinic in, in LA where you go there and you're supposed to get five treatments and, 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 and yeah, you lie on a thing. And he was an anesthesiologist and, and it's like, yeah, you get that whole concept. Like there's no such thing as Wilshire Boulevard where you're on. There's no such thing as the Micah and Tim podcast. You know, it's just, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proving that. And uh, yeah, it's all just like you're, yeah, yeah. It's just, you can't explain it. You know, I'm, it's, I'm so inarticulate, you know, um, and I got to plug a book in a few minutes. This almost feels like I'm going in directions. But when I was young, you know, you'd watch a Tonight Show, right? And you'd have Charles Nelson Riley or just some personality talking and, and they're not plugging, but now it's so contrived. You'll have Tom Cruise and they talk like, yeah, oh, I love when I get a margarita, ha, ha, ha. And then the next segment is serious after the commercial, just the movie. So this is like what we're doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Fred, because you have an audio book coming out. No, 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 <laughs> but I want to still talk about psilocybin. <laughs> no, go on, go on. Um, no, that's, this is the first segment. Well, it's right, so, it sounds like this woman that uh, directed you to this place was at an outpatient uh, detox rehab. It does not sound like what you were doing was like illegal. Well, thing. this is where you get. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing because maybe I, I realized I was getting advice from someone who is, you know, I'm not laughing that she's borderline personality and she was just <laughs> roaming around in the hospital. She got in the wrong door. And I thought, yeah, no. So but this is the thing. So they gave you like a take-home spray if you do five, like of ketamine, and you're supposed to only spray once or twice. But I would spray like 20 times to get to recreate <laughs> the $500 it took to be on the thing to really have a fucking trip. And and I, I couldn't stop, you know, just spraying. So give it to friends here and there, please hold it for me. But then during the pandemic, there's the pandemic and then there's the pandemic, meaning the first part where, you know, you 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 walk by people and walk in the street. You know what I mean? Where you you couldn't go out at all and you'd get scared when the Postmates came and clean everything down. You know what I mean? That is a pandemic, but it's it, it's OK, I guess. But so so when I had to stay in, I bought this thing twice where it's 50 bucks and it has a timer because I'm, I don't think I'm a, a, an addict, but I am if something's around where I, I buy edibles and I'd have to throw them out or I can't have you're, them. You're a, la you're a lazy addict. You don't go out yeah. of your way to get them, but if they're but if around. They're there, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's a place by me, I'd get a 10 milligram cookie because I go, I don't want to have a, you know, that I'll take it every day, but then it would go every day. But so there's a thing, a lockbox where you would... Um, <laughs> You put your stuff in, you could set it for an hour, 10 minutes, three years, and it opens 
you know, so because I didn't want to do it too much during the pandemic. So the first time I messed up was, uh, and but even Ben and Jerry's, like I would eat and then I throw it out because I, I could not not keep eating it till it was done. So then I set it. Yeah, for but you, that doesn't sound like addict behavior to me, Fred. Yeah, Wait, no, if it's there, I can't not do it. Oh, okay. but this is the attic, this is the attic. So I go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm eating too much of this ice cream. Let me set it for an hour and I'll just have a few scoops more, not the whole thing. So by accident, I put it for one day and then I broke it. You know, I said, fuck it, I want the ice cream. And then I bought another <laughs> one. And then I ended up breaking that one. So it's plastic. <laughs> and you see it. So, so what did ketamine... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes. Just I'm, I go all over the place. That's why I quit being a podcast person. <laughs> but, um, but yes, yes. Oh yeah. So, but that makes sense. So yeah. So yes. Yeah. So the spray, if you did it right, you would just every hour just spray a little ketamine, and it's illegal if you if you get the the infusions. But you're right. You can't just hey, I'm microdosing here and there. I, I get you know this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend who swears by ketamine infusions. She was just telling me about this as we were lighting a mega blunt in her car. What the hell? <laughs> you were in a car? Listen, Tim. Whoa. Some of my friends yeah. are doing better than you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. And it was funny, like the last time I did it, I was getting all these visualizations. But I, most of it, sometimes that time, it, maybe something was off because you're supposed to have no clue you're on a thing on Wilshire Avenue or anywhere, or, you know, no sense of where you are, you know? And then I was aware, and then I was, I was getting all these visualizations and I was like, all right, I get it. I was almost like, could we wrap this up? You, you live, you die. It was like, but I was, I, I, was saying, I get it. Like, you know, I was doing it over and over. It's been repetitious. So it's like, I get it. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. So yeah, that, that was that. And um, so, yeah, yeah. No, you, you, Tim. I never met you, obviously, but you, you're a big, muscular guy. So you, I would. Just more like, fat. I just look pretty good in this okay. photo, but I'm, uh, I'm more fat than muscular. Okay, because I'm glad you're not one of those bro kind of comedy. So, hey, you're a pussy if you don't like Trump, because you look oh. like you'd be that kind of comic. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I look like, a, I look like oh, I storm the capital. Diversity, pussy. That's the way I see comedy seller. <laughs> Cop. It's a, a tough crowd. They were all like, you know, they were all like doing that. Oh, you're a pussy. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. They're all dice. It's just like a table full yeah. of dice. Well, my, like, my dad is Nick DiPaolo. Well, no, it was, it was guys like Rich Voss. And even they would have people. I used to like watching it because it would annoy me. And there'd be one guy. <laughs> I, I worked with him. Very sweet Italian guy. But when Nick you DiPaolo. see him, no, Pete. Stop I saying Nick DiPaolo. <laughs> well, he's oh, the guy who calls everybody course. pussies. He's the way. But they'd all, they would all, you would see, I'd get the sense that they got that if you could act like Rich Voss, like, yeah, fuck you, yeah, you could get a regular gig, you know, and just come on every episode. So a lot of them you'd see, or I would interpret that it was their first time on Tough Crowd, and they were trying too hard to like, find a regular spot like you have the blacks yeah they have it bad and one guy was doing that and he was a sweet guy but he was trying so hard to fit into what he thought you know they got to be who was there. it sebastian maniscalco no the guy he had a podcast with him pete something an, an italian guy oh i know what you're talking about 
Um, fuck. Is he on Serious XM? Very Dominic. Pete, Pete Dominic? No. 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 He, he was a very sweet guy, but he was really pushing the, yeah, they steal our lunch money. The blacks are supposed to help them. You know, he was doing all that <laughs> oh stuff, you know. God. You know, like, they, they try, you know, is this com- Is this your fake character so you can say what you really think? <laughs> You're like, yeah, there was this guy. A lot of these guys, they, they, there's no joke, but like, uh, what's his name? Your favorite, like, uh, uh, Ari Shafir will go, you Kobe, fuck him. He was a rapist. Like, they think it's brave that they're being an asshole when there's no real joke, is what I'm saying. But you're not that. No, no, I don't really do People that. People totally much. turn this thing off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I will call people pussies and stuff, but not yeah. for not not for shock value, just because they are pussies. Okay, well, I, I better be quiet and not talk about because <laughs> then they'll call me a pussy. But no, no, you know where I got it from? Those Opie Anthony guys. One time, or and Jay Jay Moore would they would do the thing if you do a Trump joke, you're a pussy. You don't like Trump. It's that's it. That's their big retort. Right. So that annoys me. I'm excited. Are you excited to have him back on Twitter when Elon Musk takes over? Um, he said he'll never come back, but he I think will. he's too he funny on Twitter. Well, he well, I don't think he will because he's never contradicted himself. <laughs> <laughs> you could you can, can find any evidence of Trump. <laughs> Doing something or saying something contradictory. There's no evidence. I think what I'll do, I always do this thing on Twitter where I'll say, like, some again, don't even, I like the, the thing. It took me a while to like learn someone is trending, like Scott Bay or James Woods. Don't click the link. I would not know Scott Bay or James Woods is a piece of shit if there wasn't yeah. this Twitter. Like, why am I annoyed at people I would not know I hate if I didn't? Uh, so it's sort <laughs> That's of That's like, also why I don't read like, you know, world news reports or, you know, like the environmental stuff. It's really not a problem. Right. Yeah. You, 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 go don't through, know about- you go through your life blissfully ignorant. Nothing's bad. I try to. And it ever once in a while, it happens. <laughs> I do, know. too. I'm not going to go on Twitter because it just it's like Russian roulette or Facebook. It's like she's trolling, revolving <laughs> until every- you blow your head off, like go a little bit more. Or I'm not that upset. Go. A little, oh, fuck. You know, this <laughs> asshole. you know what I mean? Like I keep I like get off now, Fred. You know what I mean? It's like get off now. So I think with Trump. I um, I get upset when people like retweet at James Woods or someone like why don't don't even retweet them. So I think my my vow is if he would have won the election, I would have tried so hard to stay off social media. I don't want to hear what he says. Don't even requote you know quote him. So I, I'm gonna pro- hopefully yeah. But but you're a good guy. You're not. I'm going that you're with Micah. You're not. You're not. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Fr- Fred, I'm I'm in the I'm in the camp of I I don't even know enough to vote. I usually don't even vote. I voted this year because I thought Trump was a piece of shit. But that's not why he voted. I actually that that's is actually not, not why, why he voted. He was not allowed to go to our friend's wedding if I if, didn't vote. If he didn't, vote. I mean, it's my best friend, and his wife said I couldn't hang out with him anymore if I didn't vote this year. I've lied about a few elections. Like, oh, yeah, I voted like, you know, like. Yeah, I actually did vote and I I felt disgusting because I had never done it before and I did not want to do it, but I did it. 
And and you were okay with that, Micah? You know, listen, uh, <laughs> of all the things Tim fucks up, his voting record is like pretty low on the list. Well, I see. All I know about Tim is he always takes out the dead mice. Yes, yeah, that's right. true. He's great for that. And that's where you need someone who calls someone else a pussy. Yeah. The person who calls someone a pussy is going to be the guy to pick up the dead rat and throw it into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. I got it. I got a man up. Yes, yes. Um, but um, well, that's just being a hillbilly from Indiana, man. Oh, that's where you're from. I'm from Indiana. Yeah. So like, I mean, you know, that wasn't the first dead rat I picked up. Oh, wow. They, I, I did. A, I did like an Indianapolis comedy club right when um, Quail, you know, the guy, I must have been Were you at Crackers. Club. Maybe it wasn't crackers. What else was there? There were like at one point in like 1992, they had like six comedy clubs in Indiana. It was maybe not crackers, but I remember I would have like a Letterman credit and I'd get a headlining job. This comedian did a joke, not in his act, uh, Larry Bubbles Brown. He goes, I've done lots of clubs once where yeah. <laughs> they're happy to have me till I'm there, till they see my act doesn't sustain 45 or an hour you know, following some local guy clapping and doing generic, you know, commercials or whatever they would do from the town. But I remember, yeah, I'd have to, it was like, I remember those days where you, there was a woman, this, this hasn't happened in a long time, but I didn't meet too many women when I did my act, but one woman <laughs> saw me on Friday and wanted to come see the show Saturday. And I felt so bad because she had to sit through three 45 minutes stretching my ass off sets. Yeah. <laughs> That, did you ever do places where it's three 45 minute sets on a night in a night? Yeah. Yes. We just, yeah. we just did go bananas in Cincinnati. I mean, we didn't do three, that but we two. did, we did two in a night. There I've done it where three, you do three, five, seven and 9 PM. Yes. There were three 45. And I, this is what, this is why I never really made it as a standup. I had no confidence. One of my first headlining jobs <laughs> it was uh, Virginia beach, I think, or Richmond, um, and they were lining up an hour queuing up for the show. And some of them were like security guard uniforms, a footlocker. They just got out of work. And I felt bad for them that I was there weekend. They work all week. And <laughs> that they're waiting an hour to see me. It just, it didn't feel right. I mean, uh, but that's the thing. Now I'm queuing into the, the book, like Mike and Numi from maybe the Young Comedian special, I'm thinking, or or maybe those cables in the 90s. It could have like been, or a young mean, comedian special? No, no. It I'm might have about, been that. Oh, do, are you too young to remember the um, evening at the Improvs? Evening at the Improv, we had it when I was a kid. We watched it. Me and my dad watched it. You know, when I first moved to LA in late '80s, early '90s, you could make a comic, could make a marginal living, staying in town doing like Rosie O'Donnell of VH1, Evening at the Improv, Comic Strip Live with Wayne not Fetterman, Wayne Cotter, um, all these like uh, on A&E, they would have Evening at the Improv on every night of the week. So I think my generation of comics, we didn't, um, we never had like, every, hey, dude, my next hour um, is coming out because we had to do these six minute spots for the young comedian special, the hone it. So now I think when everyone has to do an hour, it's not these quotable jokes like in my generation because they'll like you talk about hey doing mushrooms or a story like Bert Kreischer tell a long story about having to go hiking and doing doobies and you know what I mean don't mind making sense 
Man, I, I, I feel like I'm at his show. <laughs> he takes his shirt off and he's cheering and yeah. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> someone else someone else said that this woman was quoting your um, college graduate joke. I go, Micah Fox, yeah, yeah. So someone, maybe it was, uh, it was either uh, Dave Juskow maybe or someone like that. Do you no, hang out with? Dave. Oh, okay, there we go. Oh, was it recently that someone brought this up? Yes, I know exactly who it was. I think it's this guy we met, um, Dave uh, Rich. Rich. Was it Dave Rich? Maybe was it Dave Cyrus? Who's Dave Rich? Uh, oh, he's Dave he's um, a comedian, a friend of the comedy world. I, yeah. I don't know. I just met him. I mean, for all so you're, I know, you're, I'm you're from Arizona, right? Yeah. Is there an Arizona accent, or you, you don't have mm -hmm. any accent? There's none. No. Uh-uh. Why do I sound weird? Did I say something? No, weird? you sound like you, you know, you could have a great acting career because you don't I have always an said Arizona has TV accent because we learn yes. how to talk from television. Oh, because it's oh. so hot you don't interact with people. Kind of, yeah. Like I, I remember watching like kids playing in the street, like on TV shows, and I'll be like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, you know, like what who does that? It's miserable out who there. Who wastes this much water opening a fire hydrant? This right. is insane. I, I remember the first time I tried to make out with a woman, you know, I said, no. Can we make out? She goes, Oh, okay. And she goes, What are you doing? And I go, That's how I saw you do it on happy days. I don't remember how they did it on happy days. Did you hit her like she was? Did you hit her like she was a jukebox? <laughs> I don't think I hit her. No, he I did. Think... He did the funs. Yeah. Maybe there was no tongue. They were just going like this a lot back and forth. <laughs> that is how people kiss on TV. They just move their heads around a lot and squish yeah, their mouths together. Yeah, that. Yes, it was. Uh, I, I kissed. I remember doing an acting class where you would have a partner. And then um, you, uh, you know, you rehearse, you know, twice a week and then the teacher evaluates it. So it always be, you always hope to get paired up with an attractive woman or maybe the girls with a guy. So there was one woman, we were doing a scene from Annie Hall, I don't remember. And at the end we kiss. So at the end of the scene, we're kissing and she was giving me tongue. We were making out, you know, and I would, I would kept, I kept like doing the scene quicker to get to the kissing at the end. And, uh, and then I said, can we kiss without the scene? She goes, oh, no, I am married. She was from Austria or something. But she was the one on kissing me. I didn't try to do that. You know, I'm, I just, did I just meet to myself? Oh, no. I, um, no, I you didn't meet to yourself. You asked her and she said no. And you continued yes. to press on and... You know, no, she I had to push you away. I didn't like block the door or, you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, you asked, you even asked consent to do the yeah, happy I days. asked and she was the one tug kissing me. She and uh, and then no, we did a scene in class where, again, uh, there was a lot of kids. I think I think the acting teachers, it, it was their thing to keep people in the class. They because there was a lot of. um it was like free sex. Uh, Next Mickey, thing you know, you're filming out. Some some did fool around <laughs> more. So I think they kind of knew it was a way. It was before the apps and dating. And um, do you think you know, they took I'm a looking. look at the class too? They could tell that one class was sadder than another class. And they're like, I'm gonna get some real kissing scripts in here for this one. These these motherfuckers look like they, they haven't they, touched somebody in a while. 
there what there were things where there was a kiss at the end or or just they or you would you know it was a way to you know have a woman come in my apartment you know that wasn't happening <laughs> and you sit and you talk and there was um there was one woman who uh I, I you know I had a very inappropriate acting teacher some big girl going you know she goes, you're partnered with Erica. And then she says, Erica thinks you're cute. She wanted to be a partner. So, <laughs> kind of, so, so she's telling me this, go, go for Erica. So the teacher, so it's sort of like, it's almost like I, I, it is a thing where people, you know, uh, yeah, they, they kind of hope oh, I get, I get her or her. And I kind of think in some ways it was a way for, some of the unhappily men or women in bad marriages to kind of have a, a make-believe fling or, you know, or, or, or just something, you know. Um, but there was one woman who, the Erica, she, you know, so we did mess around, you know, we sort of dated for the length of the scene. And, and um, but then when the scene was over, we had different partners and we're hanging out. She goes, you know, I don't... Uh, see this I, I i i'm not saying be joe piscopo but you should build your arms up you're too skinny and i wanted to say was i wearing a you know a muscular like suit did i trick you like you know and <laughs> you know um during this but uh so yeah it was a way you know when you're younger to just uh th there was that little extra agenda that kept people in it i'm sure yeah and then um it became uh UCB where you know they're like screw the they think you're cute just fucking go for it oh no Mike what happened at UCB <laughs> Mike is talking about rape they have a lot of they had a lot of uh because listen Fred using acting class as a way to get laid not so new you know what I mean they might have started there but at the UCB I mean now they're running again but yeah but wait you a, mean they would like teachers or students would do no, it Mike is just I That's don't not think, true. The teachers like... would rape all the students, oh. and everybody knew this. <laughs> Ah, that's and crazy. that's why they shut down. Well, no, it is. It is. I got tired of on a serious note acting <laughs> class because um, because well, this is my advice I give to people um, about acting or anything. They go, "Do you have any? You know, do you ever have this when people go, what's your tip for acting or comedy?'" And there's no generic rule or anything, but my my thing for tell them move the mic stand behind you. <laughs> yes, that. But I go even for even for comedians. Like, should I go to comedy school or class? Obviously, you know you you know you have to do it thousands of times. You can't take a class, and classes tend to be masturbatory because um, no, I don't mean that literally. Um, but. But it's like, well, no, there was a place flappers out here. I tried returning to stand up and there was a thing called the Yoohoo room, a little room or the thing. And I'm killing anything I say, but I, I, it took me a while to figure out why don't, this is like a comedy club. I don't know anyone that it was mostly bringers, but it was a big thing where to get stage time, you had to take their class. And when you do those places, they're going to laugh their asses off because, hey, let's support Sheila. And they bring that to bring 12 of their friends. 
So it's it's not accurate at all, even if you're you're killing. So people take these acting comedian classes and it's finals, and you bring all your friends. Hey, I have cats, and they're applauding. So it's it's not accurate. But this is what I say: it's okay to go to acting class, a comedy class. To, to be it with people at your level to share information. Oh, there's an open mic here, or don't go to the UCB or whatever. To be, but, and the same thing I feel about therapy. Don't be a permanent student or a permanent uh, patient. You know, you get a foundation and then be in the real world. So the thing is, I got tired of acting classes for many reasons, but I don't like these self-anointed gurus because there are no rules how to make it. So these people, they prey on vulnerable people like an acting coach, a life coach, uh, the best acting teacher. So I, I, not it's okay if you're younger and you need hookups and, you know, and yeah. to meet people, but, but I, I don't, yeah. It does but, seem good for meeting people. I mean, it always seems good for meeting people. And Fred, as far as meeting people goes, we are almost out of time. Oh my God. So, assume this is why, yeah, I'm. Geez. We need you to get the people to meet you in your new audio. Damn, that segue sucked. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. I was trying. That was, it almost made sense because you and Fred just met and I was like, oh, we might make this fucking work. I had so much hope, Tim. And then you just fucking what? <laughs> I blew it. But no, no. Okay. So, all right. So, um, I uh, was on a young comedian special in 1989. And again, I'm sorry. I keep saying you kids. Actually, I'm dating someone. Uh, I don't want to too many tangents. She's very young. And Jackie Moynihan said she's hot. She looks like Micah Fox. Oh, um, shit. Now I'm going to have to see a picture said. of her. I'll send you a picture. Okay. And <clears throat> so I, I feel like I'm the old guy. You don't remember this. But so the young comedian specials, were before Comedy Central, Netflix, YouTube, the Joe Rogan thing, all whatever the new launching pads are. And, you know, so it, I always thought the 1989 one I was on was interesting because the big diversity, I know you hate diversity, Tim, you hate, you know, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm, I've been pushing know. against it. It's been keeping me from any kind of work. It's not my lack of talent. Yeah. It is I like when people, I'm white, I'm sorry, I'm a minority. You can't, we can't say we Tim can't, gets all this comedy from uh, Dilbert. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that guy. But so, okay, His guy so is never on. I thought it was interesting that this was a, you know, a big break for the six of us. And the diversity and trajectory of lives and careers, two of them made it big from it. They got Saturday Night Live, David Spade and Rob Schneider. Um, I'm sort of whatever middle. Um, one of them uh, killed himself talking to his wife on the phone, Drake Sather. One of them mm. had AIDS for 10 years and died of a drug overdose. And the woman, the hot woman on it, uh, is struggling a little catering. She's she's okay. She she participated. So it's sort of like I know you're a basketball <laughs> fan, Indiana, right? You like yeah. basketball. Yep. It's sort of like you know those things like the the Fab Five. You know the college class. Da, 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 some made it, some didn't. Some you thought yeah. would make. It. So it just follows us, and it, it people liked it. Judd Apatow, a lot of people, and. Um, so I finally did the audio book and um, it just, uh, you know, I was very excited. I just put it out. I, I said to Mike, it it's called five minutes to kill because you oh, know cool. you have five minutes and you, you really had to kill. And, and I, I did the audio um, and what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Gary Goldman. I didn't know, read it, listened to it. I was so excited that someone liked it. So I'm, 
I'm trying to, uh, you know, just hope people I'm not looking to make big money, but I like getting stories out there. I have other stories and then maybe no, I'll do no, make more. all the, make some fucking yeah, money. Let's Fred. make some money. Buy friends. Buy friends. It's an audio book. Yes. It's on it audible. It's um, or just audio. Yeah. It's on audible. Yes. It's, yeah. you know, uh, where everything is, it's called five minutes to kill. And, uh, I'm glad my voice wasn't that annoying. I had to do, I can't do impressions, but I did it. I have a, that's Jan Karam. My Jan Karam, <laughs> my David Spade and my Dennis Miller and Rob Schneider were all the same. Yeah, here I am, David Spade, out of, he's from Arizona. So I yeah. know yeah. So my- And uh, Mike my, are both from Scottsdale. Yes, that's right, yes. So, uh, yeah, so I knew all, I had to do research about, uh, he came from, and Jen Karam is from there. And um, when Richard Belzer was passing through Arizona, said, you should come to New York. And he helped set her up with the clubs. And then, so it's just, uh, I, I'm proud of it. A lot of comedy history. And two of them, uh, you know, Warren Thomas and Drake Sather, who aren't alive anymore, have amazing stories. Um, uh, just, you know, very sad. But they they were, some of them, Chris Rock was on um, Bill Maher and, and he's uh, the Chris said the funniest guy you never heard of was Warren Thomas. So just so about these, do you know people in your era that the funniest guys no one heard of, but did yeah. they not? Don't say Dave yeah. just now. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I think he's a little ahead of our era, but I would. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of people that I thought were brilliant that just sort of disappeared, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. There was like people used to always talk about Rick Shapiro. Remember him? Yeah. Rick Shapiro. Well, I mean, now Rick. Shapiro, I mean, he's just kind of lost it from now. Yeah, but everybody loved him. Yes, yes. So it's it's just um, it's only two and a half hours, so it's not you know. But I I found I did another one that did well. Uh, Kindle single called my Seinfeld year uh, about what it was like writing on Seinfeld for a season. And That's awesome. uh, yeah, so people would come up to me and say, I, I love the audio. So. I guess people like the audio, so I decided to do the audio for this one. Well, that's great, man. Thank you very much for being on no. the show, Fred. We really appreciate it. Again, but I'm we, only we gonna... don't want to go, but Zoom's going to kick us off because we're too cheap for a pro plan. I have a thing where I give people on Cameo, they could pay to talk to me for 10 minutes, but I feel guilty and I let it keep going. Because, uh, <laughs> like, talk to me? This is sad. So... <laughs> But you well, guys, uh, you know, next time you're out, you you write for award shows. 